JT Barrett joins the staff of an NFL team. Ratings for Madden are out. Some interesting thoughts about the NCAA and putting windows on the transfer portal. And yes, Ohio State broke the U. All that and more in this edition of the 11 Dubcast. I'm Andy Vance. Joining me as always, Johnny Genner. Johnny, let's start top of the page. One of my favorite Ohio State players in recent memory, Joe Thomas Barrett the fourth, getting his shot as an offensive assistant coach in the NFL. Now, to me, this is not breaking news. I've I've felt like JT Barrett is a natural coach from I don't know, maybe his second time on the field ever. Yeah. Does does Barrett make it as a coach in the league? Is, is this the first step in a long and storied career? I don't know. I mean, the thing is, I was thinking about this. Like, I mean, JT Barrett strikes me as a pretty intelligent dude. And, uh, you know, he, he has a, obviously a great work ethic and great leadership skills, all that other stuff. Um, but I'm like, is this guy an offensive, you know, wonder kind? Like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> what? Is he bringing the Urban Meyer offense to the Detroit Lions, you know, circa 2017? Like, is that is that really why they hired the guy? I mean, I I, I just want to know what exactly he is going to be contributing um, in in that capacity. And I'm sure, you know, again, the guy will work his butt off no matter what he's doing. And I think he'll be successful. But it's just interesting to me because he's not, you know, Ryan Day. Ryan Day was like an offensive genius, offensive mastermind. And, and the NFL was like, oh, wow, this guy's got some really interesting ideas and concepts. That's that's why they hired him. That's why Ohio State brought him on to completely revamp the more run offense that that <laughs> JT Barrett had been in charge of. So I'm just a, I'm a little confused as to what his role will be. But, you know, it's JT Barrett. And like I said, he's great leadership skills uh that's obvious you know really intelligent guy I, I i think he'll he'll kill it whatever they actually ask him to do i, I do too i i think he's one of those guys that's just uh you know natural born winner you know he's going to succeed yeah. whether it's whether it's playing tiddlywinks or you know whether it's becoming a titan of industry or coaching in the nfl i mean i could see him uh doing very well in the nfl i could also seeing this being a, a good first step toward then coming back into the collegiate ranks, I just sure. can see that being a, a play as well. Cause I think he would be somebody that um, parents would identify with in the room on the recruiting trail too. Now, what's interesting about this is I hadn't realized it really until because Detroit's not my team. Uh, but until I was reading the story about this, Detroit's uh, stacking up some, some Ohio state connections here, Taylor Decker and Jeff Akuda. Of course I realized Jonah Jackson uh, is, is there. And now Jamison Williams, of course, from the draft, and all of a sudden you, you've got almost a half a dozen guys with Ohio state ties. there, either on the roster or, or in the room, uh, not a team that I'm going to start rooting for anytime soon, but it's kind of funny to have uh, a professional team that close to that school up North. That's all of a sudden got a boatload of Buckeyes on the roster. Yeah, well, you know what? It, it's that's. I think the NFL maybe is finally coming around to the fact that they should just hire every single Ohio State player and potential coach possible, and then just turn their entire teams into you know Columbus, East, North, you know East, North, West, South, whatever. I really. <laughs> that's not that's not the order most people gave the cardinal directions, but I decided to go with it um as long as they don't hire urban meyer i think they're fine i, I think the, there's a lot of quality people that they uh they can draw from 
from Columbus. And, you know, I, I don't, it's hard to see, like, you know, the thing is, you look at a guy like Terry McLaurin, for example, who I don't think many people expected to be super successful in the NFL. I mean, I, I mean, shoot, we, we didn't even expect that. I mean, he's a fantastic human being, but I don't think anybody expected him to blow up the way he does. But when you bring in quality people who have great work ethics and they, you know, either are amazing athletes or just, you know, grinders who can, you know, contribute to your organization. There's a lot of dudes from Ohio state who can do that. And I think the culture that's been developed is something that um, the NFL is starting to recognize. And, and, and I think guys like Terry McLaurin are a big part of that because they're like, okay, well, it's not just the next level athletes that everybody's going to want to draft. It's also guys who are just going to like do everything in their power to become great football players, coaches, whatever. Um, so I, I think that helps. I think the last few years where they've seen, you know, guys kind of emerge in the league who maybe people didn't expect. I think that's a big part of it. I was uh, thinking about this as you were talking a few minutes ago about Ryan day being an offensive genius and, of course he played you know a quarterback at, at new hampshire and uh had the connection to chip kelly and, and so on what i find really interesting is the coaches who were not necessarily you know first round draft pick quality players and are extremely good at coaching and then vice versa then when you have the stories of guys like brian hartline who were mm. exceptional as players and then come right into it and are amazing as coaches. Like I just find this, the differences, the different paths that people take from yeah. playing into the ranks of coaching really interesting because it it speaks to what it takes to be good in both different arenas and and specifically for coaching, you know, your skill as a player may or may not translate, you know, if they're teachable skills, Heartline for example, obviously can teach quite a lot of useful practical on-field skills. But there's also a great deal to be said for what you talked about with Coach Day, that that creativity, the the offensive strategy and game planning and innovation and, and so on. Uh, what what will be JT Barrett's um, stock and trade remains to be seen and and uh, interesting. But I but I hope he does well. Other well, news, you know what? Let's yeah, let's ahead. let's not overlook let's not overlook the fact that all of this started with Mr. Kenneth Guyton going into the college ranks and proving that Ohio state quarterbacks can be fantastic coaches. You know, and there's, so, <laughs> there's, a, there's, there's one of my favorite absolute players of, of all time. And if there's a guy that I've uh, uh, happier to see succeed at the, the next level and have a long career than that guy, I mean, just how, how do you not love smooth jazz? Kenny? He's guy? great. Absolutely. He's, great. He really is the greatest product of the Urban Meyer era. Let's be honest. I mean, that's <laughs> anybody who was in the stadium for that Purdue game, not likely to argue with you. It was yeah, probably uh, not. It was, it was magical. That was one of the, that was one of the best, you know, two minutes of sports I've ever seen yep. was his comeback in that Purdue game. I, I just, oh, that one of my favorite sports moments of all time. Agree. All right, moving on, uh, Nick Boza, Cameron Hayward, Denzel Ward, some of the Ohio State notables who drew their player ratings in Madden NFL 23. They're the top-rated players there. Uh, no big surprises there. Uh, Boza, obviously, one of the best pass rushers in the league. Cameron Hayward, my favorite player in the NFL, and, and I love the fact that he's got the longevity that he's had, uh, not just staying in the league, but being one of the best 
interior defensive lineman in the league. Uh, to me, he's going to be a Hall of Famer someday. And and Denzel Ward certainly has earned his stripes as well. Big big man in NFL guy, Johnny. No. <laughs> However, I do. What I do enjoy is when you take a video game like that and make it a competitive game. And the thing is, anytime there's going to be any sort of competitive video game, you've got to be really, really good about what your player versus player, um, I guess, environment looks like. Because what's going to happen is, is that the people who are playing that game seriously, when I say seriously, I mean, any video game that's relatively popular, you're going to get some people who are playing 10, 12 hours a day, every day, you know, for months and months or years and years. And the funniest thing to me about Madden, and I don't play Madden. Uh, I just think it's too much. I, I hate, I hate that every single finger has to have a button. You know what I mean? Like yeah. on, on every player, you know what I'm saying? Like that's a level okay. of manual dexterity. That, oh my uh, God. Like, okay. Okay. Left, left bumper, <laughs> Press A up and then down, start B, and then he'll blink in unison so that you can then, you know, pitch the ball three yards. I don't, the whole thing is just unbelievably like overbearing and just a huge pain in the ass. I, I don't like playing those games now because they're just, there's too much to it. Anyway, my point is, is that my favorite thing about Madden is that what they've done is a really bad job at figuring out what player versus player is ultimately going to look like and there's a lot of scripting in the game where you know you throw the ball and it looks like it should be intercepted but nope sorry the ratings say that that pass is going to be completed so then the ball like goes over you know in defiance of the laws of physics into the receiver's hand no matter what you know happens with the actual game uh, and what some of these madden players have done is they've realized that you can put certain players at certain positions and like, for example, win with a punter at quarterback, because all you're going to do is you're just going to rush the ball with this one particular play and you're going to get five yards every single time. <laughs> and No, but seriously, like a couple of years ago, a dude literally won the, the grand world Madden championship because he put a punter at quarterback and did exactly that. That's, That's all he did. And oh then he, God, and he did crazy that. stuff by like, like put. Cause you can use legacy players. I think you put like Peyton Manning at like fullback or something, <laughs> but seriously, you it, it's max men. You, you take, you take these crazy intricacies, these weird quirks of the game and you exploit them to the highest level possible. And that's what guys do. And so Madden is like that. It's a broken game. And the people who take it seriously are going to do the most goofy thing possible to finagle a win every time. So you know, I know the players get really hyped about their their ratings and stuff, and they're like, "Oh man, I'll show you, I'm a 98, and I'm not a 97." But honestly, EA Sports doesn't put that much thought into it or effort, <laughs> and so it's really funny to me that like it it's a thing every year. Because as much as I agree with you, right? Like, uh, you know, Cam Hayward's future Hall of Famer, and these guys are great players. Um, Madden is not the metric that I would use to judge that. I guess is what I would say. Yeah, I get that. I get that. Do you play, um, are you a Madden guy? Do you play that? I, I will tell you, it has been years. And when I say years, I don't mean one or two. Are you excited? I have picked up the sticks and played video games like at all. Let me ask you this. Are you excited for the college football game from EA? Well, only because of the nostalgia for, you know, when that was like such an important part of 
like when I was in the dorms at Ohio state, you know, that sort of thing, or like yeah. playing with roommates and things it's, but I'm, I guess I'm old enough now. And the, the last video game that I played seriously was like clash of clans on my phone five years ago. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's probably more than five years ago now, whatever that was a thing that everybody was into. I, uh, <laughs> I, I, I fell off the wagon playing wordle <laughs> after, mm-hmm. you know, like, a week so i'm pretty bad about uh and i and the, and the funny thing about that is i was really into like classic video games when i was a kid um can i remember like ruling super punch out on super nintendo and like you know if that was still a thing you know, i'd be world champion at super punch out that sure. was but that's that, the thing that though like super punch out is press a button hit a guy you know what i mean yeah like, it was it's amazing not, i loved it <laughs> right and it's not it's that's this is my thing people are talking about how hyped they are for this college football game i'm like guys it's just gonna be reskin madden it's gonna be the same thing yeah they, right, right 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 i agree and people complain about madden the same all basic the game engine yeah it's the same game engine but they're not it's going to be even worse than that because they're not even going they're not going to tweak anything they're going to use the same models that they have they're just going to slightly change some things. They're going to change the color of the uniforms that guys are wearing. It's it's going to be the same mm-hmm. thing that people complain about every year for being a lazy, you know, overindulgent microtransaction, you know, all this other stuff that people complain about. It's going to be the exact same thing. So I'm not excited about it. I think it'd be cool if we're like NFL blitz or something from 2000. You know what I mean? Where, yeah, yeah. where like you can jump on dudes after the play is over and, you know, kick people's heads off and all that kind of stuff. If that were the, the game and then you only control one player at a time and one button is passed and then one button stack, I would be all in on that. But the last college like football game that I played, I think it was like 06, 07, something like that. It was the one with um, the Boise State player on the front. I can't remember the dude's name ian something but uh you know even that was getting to be too ridiculous and complicated for me so it's just, it's not for me i don't like the the super hardcore simulation games anymore it's too much it's too much the thing i think they should bring back would be you know tech mobile uh yeah hell bowl, yeah a super bowl me? commercial with bow in it just kind of got me going again <laughs> dude tech mobile sweet and you know like again i it doesn't have to be more complicated to be a great game that's all i'm saying this you is a sign we're this is a sign yeah. we're getting old my friend that's what that well is. that's and that's true <laughs> Let's talk real football. Argue with that. <laughs> Let's talk real football a minute. Uh, we've been on a tear the last several episodes talking about recruiting. Ohio State has been flying very high with regard to recruiting successes. Had a bit of a disappointment this week as top offensive tackle target Olas Alainen committed to the Crimson Tide instead of the Scarlet and Gray. Uh, the Buckeyes losing out on their top remaining offensive tackle target and reminding us that while we've been talking about the Buckeyes changing places back and forth with Notre Dame for the top spot in the team class rankings. Oh, Alabama still very much good at recruiting uh, young players to their storied program. The thing that kind of cracked me up is the uh, the, the header image that uh, Dan used for the story about Alignan's commitment. Uh, the, the the big kids wearing a Browns t-shirt. Yeah, that's really good. The, I enjoyed that. Statement. Yeah, that was a nice touch. That was a nice touch. Uh, so, you know, this, uh, this is just a good reminder that you don't get all of the, all of the players that you want every time you go out, but does make for some interesting 
options, I guess, for Ohio State as they continue to try to add a third offensive tackle to close out the 23 class. Um, a few options left on the table, not, you know, certainly probably not quite as exciting as uh, as this one in terms of what's realistic or not, but they've got four offensive line commitments in the class, a couple of tackles, uh, and a couple of interior linemen, so it's not been a total bust. Uh, I'm just mad at Yarmo Kekalainen for not sealing the deal. That's yeah, Yarm, yeah, Yarmo, what are you doing here? I know you're out busy, you know, like signing the biggest free agent deal in history and stuff. And and extending Patrick Line. So I, you know, not bad, actually. It, but just get the football <laughs> stuff together, and then we'll, you know, we'll be happy campers all across the board. It's kind of wild. You know, Columbus has had some some pretty decent sports weeks here uh recently. Yeah. And I'm I'm stoked about it. I don't claim to be a huge hockey fan, but I, I want all of the teams in my town to be the best at their respective sports. So you know what? Good job. The, the Blue Jackets may not be the best team in the next year or two, but they will be a very entertaining team. And well, I, I they've definitely gotten true. better this off season. I think, I mean, I think, Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Definitely gotten better this off season. So that is absolutely true. Uh, let's talk a little bit back to NCAA football, real football, instead of the video game version. Uh, this week, the NCAA's board of directors announced some recommendations that they've relayed from the council transformation committee about restructuring the transfer portal. And the thing I think is really interesting here and one that a move that to me makes a lot of sense, and I'd like your take on it, mm. uh, would be instituting some windows on the transfer portal instead of it being just free agency all the time uh the idea would be to to put some time brackets on when the transfer portal would be uh, i think specifically um, for fall sports they'd have two separate windows a total of 60 calendar days first window would be 45 days beginning the day following championship selection and the second would be from May 1st to May 15th so you'd have you'd have a kind of an early transfer window window there after the college football playoff championship game. And then you'd have a second one from uh, the first two weeks of May, uh, in, in essence. I think that's really sensible, but I know you and I have also been ones who have been very pro play uh, player mobility. Is sure. this an unnecessary restriction on player mobility, or is this something that is a sensible way to kind of reinstitute some order in amid the chaos? I think I'm okay with it. I, I, you know, it's not like they're preventing guys from doing it. It's just, they're, they're really, you know, just making sure that it's not a, a complete free for all at all times. And honestly, I think for everybody that that's probably beneficial just because you can tell if you're a player, right. I think you can make better informed choices about where to go. If you're not having to worry about, you know, when someone else might go or all this other stuff, I, I, I think it does a good job. at maybe just, uh, I don't want to say like codifying, you know, the rule, because I think the rules are still going to be changing and all that other stuff, but it, it clarifies a lot of things for guys. So for players, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. And then obviously for coaches, it's helpful too. So I, I don't think there's really anything wrong with it. I'm okay with that. The other thing that I kind of like about it, if, if I'm somebody who thinks that, well, I mean, Ohio state had a high profile example this season where you literally had a guy walk off the field in disgust because he wasn't getting the playing time. He thought he should uh, sure. immediately enter the transfer portal. I, I think something like changing schools is one of those things you don't want to do on a whim. Right. Uh, so having some d defined times when you can enter that transfer portal, you know, to me maybe leads for better decisions because you're not necessarily doing it in the heat of passion or in a field well, heat, right. 
Yeah. And even if you are, even if you have made up your mind, like I'm done. Okay. Well then now you have a little bit of time to do some research and then like see who's available and figure out where, you know, might be most beneficial for you to go and all that other stuff. So that, I, I mean, like I said, I think that's one of those things that actually can help you out. Um, you know, because you don't have to make a decision, you know, super quickly because the other teams are going to be like, all right, well, we'll have these openings at this time and, you know, we can talk to you about it. So I, like I said, I, I think that can help people make decisions. And, you know, if you want to transfer, you still can transfer. You can still do those things. It's just going to be a little more predictable now. The uh, other thing that I saw in not necessarily specific Ohio state news that I, I had feelings about this week was the turnover chain, Miami university's fable turnover chain. Yeah. Uh, consigned now to the dustbin of history. Sad. It's it's a five year <laughs> lifespan has come to an end. Miami head coach Mario Cristobal uh, talked about retiring it this week at uh, ACC's kickoff days. And, you know, <laughs> this is one of those things that was like only Miami could pull off something as gaudy as the turnover chain. Mm-hmm. except they weren't good enough to pull off the turnover chain. Yeah. That's the thing, right? Like you gotta, you gotta be able to like, if you're going to have something like that, you gotta be handing it out more than maybe once every two or three games. You know what I mean? Like it's gotta be, it's gotta, it's gotta add or enhance uh, the way your, your team looks as opposed to be like, where, where's the turnover chain? Did you not bring it this week? I guess you don't need it. Um, so just one of those things, but um I don't know. You know, I like quirky things like that. However, I do understand the utility of coming up with new quirky things as opposed to just kind of keep the same thing year in, year out. Because after a while, people get bored with it and then it becomes a joke and they make fun of it. And then, you know, you got to think of something else because otherwise it's just people meme it to death. And, you know, and you saw all the other like variants of it and other versions of it. And some were cooler than others. Oregon State's Um, turnover chainsaw. Yeah, that's cool. Long um, I, live the turnover chainsaw. That's yes, fantastic. Yes. And that's fine. And that's and that's what, you know, when you people come up with those things, you got to see evolution of uh, of these fantastic ideas that I enjoy and that I appreciate. But it does peter out at a certain point and I'm OK with them maybe coming up with something, uh, something new that we can enjoy and, and riff on. You know, as a as a side note, one of the one of the things I was thinking about when I first heard about the turnover chain uh being consigned to the history books it's very difficult i think in this day and age because of social media and the trolls and haters and i think just our like societal tendency to want to crap on anything that's even Mm. remotely quirky or amusing as you put it like we're so cynical and i don't know whatever else you want to say just as a society that we're not allowed to be goofy and have fun with things Uh, that that's one of those things like traditions that are cool and good that i'll feel like they came from 100 years ago you know thinking about like ohio state's great traditions helmet stickers the the ramp and buckeye battle cry the 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 drum major touching his plume to the turf in ohio stadium those kind of things those are all things that happened 100 years ago not literally but you know in a different bygone era today you try to unveil some new tradition or something like you can't make it you can't just you can't just say, Hey, we're going to start a new tradition. Like, I feel like it's one of those things that has to evolve. Right. It's going to be organically. Yeah. It has to evolve organically over time and people embrace it. Look at, uh, look at quick cows before football games. Is there any doubt? That's one of the goofier things that Ohio state's done in recent memory. Uh, I really hate quick cows. Yeah. Right. Right. And I like goofy stuff. 
you know i like goofy fun stuff but it, it can't be forced and like i really wish that uh blocko had never <laughs> kind of you know said yeah we'll get into this we'll do it because it just i don't know it, it, it is pretty lame and i don't enjoy it but um i don't know I, I want people to be creative i want people to be interesting and not predictable you know what i mean like the, but, what but i, I guess like my point in talking about like the social media era and and kind of our our tendency to to hate on stuff and troll on things it's hard to it's hard to be creative and like take the chance because quick cows sure. could have been cool it could have been yeah. but it wasn't it was just kind of lame and and forced and stuff so but but you've got to like you got to feel like I can go out there and take it to, Hey, I've got an idea. Let's you're, you're Miami. Like I've got an idea. Let's, this is, we're supposed to be this, you know, swaggy uh, program and we want to incentivize turnover. Let's get this big ass gaudy chain. Right. <laughs> and let, right. let the kid that picks about like, you know, if you're in the room, that sounds like a great idea maybe. Yeah. And then in reality, now part of the reason it didn't work, like I say, is because they just stank as a, a football team. Right. But, but like, because everybody immediately takes to Twitter to crap on anything that's not like immediately amazing. Yeah. And, you know, do you, do you what you end up with is coaches speak and, uh, you know, kind of generic. Well, that's the problem because like, I, I think when we talk about some of the stuff with college sports and college football specifically, I mean, the money involved, and this is kind of a macro look at this, but like a lot of stuff becomes homogenized. You know what I mean? It, it's like, let's find the least common denominator for every single thing so that we can reach the most amount of people and advertise the most amount of people. And that's why I get, I'm cynical about a lot of the stuff because to me, it just feels like a money grab. Yeah. Right. Like there's no, there's no authenticity to it. There's nobody saying like, this is a funny idea or this is a cool idea. It's something that was like manufactured in a board meeting somewhere where it's like, let's do X, Y, and Z because that's what people find cool. And I don't think that's what happened with like quick cows or anything like that. Quick cows is definitely a Marathi thing. Um, but as much as dumb as I think quick cows are, I do at least appreciate that it was an attempt at something that wasn't you know, workshop to death before someone decided to debut it, you know, to something. And the same thing with, you know, the turnover chain, right? Like, yeah, yeah, that'll have a, that has a lifespan, but it's at least interesting, right? It's something that people said, you know what, screw it. Let's just do this because I think it'll be fun. And that's, that's really what college sports, in my opinion, is about. It's not about, you know, excessively workshop stuff that we think will appeal to the massive amount of people and all this other stuff. And it's certainly not, you know, brands trying to convince people that, you know, X, Y, or Z is what they like. Yeah. Hey guys, this is it. It's super <laughs> cool. Cause that's the worst. That's absolutely the worst. It's awful. I think this is a great time too to mention back to how we started the segment talking about uh, Miami not being good enough to pull off the turnover chain yeah. That uh, if you didn't get ordered the coolest T-shirt that the dry goods store has rolled out since 85 yards through the heart of the South, uh, you're going to have to wait till the next batch comes in. Drygoods.11warriors.com has a raft of new T-shirts out. You got to go check these out. Favorite T-shirt that we've rolled out since 2015. Uh, we broke the U. Yeah. Uh, it's just glorious. Uh, I love it. Sold out almost instantly along with the the uh amazing catholics versus convicts uh catholics versus draft picks t-shirt uh, speaking of speaking of ideas like all of these are born out of spite so if you think that like 
you know, okay, well, we want to make sure everybody loves these shirts. No, it's really just to make the Miami and Notre Dame mad. That's really what we're going for. Yes. So they're and if you enjoy making these, these uh, particular fan bases and teams and that, then I, I recommend maybe rocking yeah. one of these shirts. Yeah. You should totally get one. And of yeah. course the dry goods dot 11 warriors.com uh, site should be, you know, bookmarked and saved and favorited and, and so on, because you will find the finest uh, in such spiteful tees out there along yeah. with sweatshirts, polos, hats, barware, stickers, uh, everything that you could want and more. Thanks to the dry goods store for sponsoring the Dubcast uh, and our favorite segment of the show, which is time for ask us anything. Johnny, my friend, what's in the mailbag this week? Well, we want to remind you that if you'd like to ask us anything, and I mean, literally anything, you can send us a question to dubcast at 11 warriors.com. Um, it's uh it's it's pretty great and and we enjoy answering all of your questions okay so uh this is from matt who says your response to his third question about robots and time and travel did not disappoint <laughs> good thanks uh excellent work as always um i'm setting a reminder now to come up with a ridiculous set of questions to get us through next off season awesome uh, you put in a lot of work dude i appreciate it um so this week's question what is the best book about ohio state football and why is it war as they knew it uh, read it this summer, cannot put it down. Have either of you read it? Bonus question, are either of you participating in the Alumni Summer Reading Challenge? I'm about to get my first bingo with a book I hope to finish this week. Yeah, uh, that great, absolutely great recommendation. Wars, they knew it is fantastic. Um, I'm also partial to You Win With People uh, by mm, 40 yeah. Days. I think that's the classic. I've got, a, I've got a small section. It's not huge, but I have a small section of Ohio State football books um, on my shelf uh that one is on there uh the the uh, book recommended in the in the op was was good um i've got jim trestle's the winner's manual i think i've got both urban myers books that uh, he you know ostensibly ostensibly wrote or co-wrote um let's see oh i've also got a couple great books um you know maybe i shouldn't admit this but john u bacon is a hell of a writer so i've got a mm -hmm. couple of his books on there um you know third and long fourth and goal end zone some really interesting you know books there because you got a, a sun Tzu he's set, an excellent you know, writer he's great you know, know your enemy as you know yourself um but no i'm gonna stick with you in with people because uh, that that to me is the classic that's okay, cool you know. yeah i honestly i have not read um uh war as they know it but i really need to it's on my reading list so I'll have it's to really to good yeah, yeah it's fantastic if you if you have any interest at, at all um in the 10-year war and, and just kind of the depth of relationship between woody and Bo and mm -hmm. why they were the way they were and the just immense respect that they had for one another I, I mean i also think anything you can read to learn more about woody hayes like woody hayes you know, I, I know some people like to make a caricature of him because of kind of the way he went out uh, as a coach. And, and yes, he was a bit over the top and so on, but just a really yeah. fascinating human being and his life experience and the depth of passion that he had, not just for the game of football, but but the reason he was passionate for the game of football, I, you know, I think in, in that he used it as a vehicle to better the lives of the young men in his charge. Yeah. I, to me is just you know it's really something um, he was an interesting dude for a lot yeah, of reasons i yeah. mean a, a guy who was like an unequivocal supporter of the war in vietnam despite you know watching <laughs> college college you know not just athletes and whatnot but like college students go off and fight in that you know horrifically stupid war however 
also a really big supporter of civil rights and yes. wanting people to, you know, be represented and, and going out of his way to talk about how, you know, amazing a, a human being and how fantastic a person is, you know, star black running back was like that, that yes. means stuff, something right. That's significant. Uh, a guy who went out and recruited black people before a lot of other people decided to do that. Um, just a really, I don't know, just a, <laughs> in conclusion Woody Hayes is a land of contrast but like he really is he, he had just a very like I think unique outlook on a lot of things and in some things he was dead wrong about and other things he was way ahead of the curve it's really he's just an interesting cat yeah, and I think, um, I think to some extent like his you could look at like his support for Vietnam and and sort of rationalize it because of his own military service oh, yeah. and experience. Sure. So you know he's going to be a support the troops guy, regardless. Uh, but but also, you know I think I think he's probably a guy who bought into the maybe the high concept of that conflict. Oh yeah, he was definitely he considered. I'm sure he considered himself like a real politic kind of guy, where it was like okay, well, uh, with that said, with no small amount of you know, his own personal experience, you know, coloring that attitude. But yeah. um, yeah, I don't know. Just like I said, he, he's the kind of guy who calls up Richard Nixon, who he was buddies yes. with and yes. says, we're going to talk about international politics now. Yeah. And that's yeah, tricky. Dick wanted to talk about, about football, but uh, it's, you know, and, and what's, what's amazing is that you had a guy like Woody Hayes who was on a first name basis with multiple presidents of the United States. Yeah. Right. Like that just, right. I just, I find him a fascinating historical character in addition to, obviously the you know the inborn fondness that you have for right. him as coach of the local football team like yeah. just as an interesting historical character he's so re read the book uh both of those i would i would highly recommend both those wars they knew it and uh and you win with people just because it's it's fun to get the man's perspective in his own words so, is there anything is there anything this summer that you're uh you're really oh, reading yeah so we asked about the summer reading club and no i'm i'm not um involved in the summer reading program although i would say um, I, I love that concept and, uh, Franklin County alumni club. I want to say I belong, I'm a member of the Franklin County alumni club and I, I feel like they did, um, a book club or a book program here a, a few years back, like pre COVID. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm so, but I'm also, I just took over, uh, gee golly here, what July one, I guess, as president of the college of food, agricultural and environmental All right, sciences, that's right. alumni society. So I'm, yeah, thank you. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really excited about that. We just, just really kind of getting started. We're doing some strategic planning, of course, getting ready for, we, we're doing our annual uh, alumni awards program during homecoming this year, which is a big change for us. So really very, very excited for homecoming, uh, coming up this, this fall. So, and you know, not that there are truckload of, alumni of the uh, ag college listening i know i know several are but not that everybody listening is an alumni let me just make a little plug for homecoming weekend in general you know if you haven't been back to campus for a while there are worse times to go than homecoming uh go you know to the stadium here the band by far the finest in the land but campus is just this ever-evolving uh landscape and i just really enjoy every time i go back seeing what's changed what's different you know the grumpy old man in me like yells at clouds about some things, but mm. overall, I think it just really tickles me that, that our university evolves and, uh, adapts and changes and kind of becomes whatever it is that the state needs, you know, the, and I mean the state in terms sure. of like the people, the great state of Ohio, not <laughs> like the state. Uh, I just think it's really, 
Ohio State's a really special place. So highly encourage you to go back and and get involved. And there, there, I've done my bit for King and Country now as uh, as there an upstanding go. as an upstanding alumni. Is there any? Are there any? Like, so is there a specific book of the summer for you? Yeah, you keep coming back to that, and I've kind of dodged that three times now, haven't I? <laughs> uh, what I am reading uh, this summer. All right, here it is. The thing on my Kindle as we speak is the i think fourth book in the famed outlander series by if you had uh like high concept romantic time travel literature uh on your bingo card for what andy was reading this summer kudos to you circle gets the square um that's a that's a series i've not watched the television program um but the stunning mrs vance was really into this book series and so years ago i heard it's really good it's fantastic. And years ago, after I finished Game of Thrones, I mean, it's it's that size of novel. I'm not making comparisons. You know, it's not it's a totally different branch of fantasy. Right. Um, it's not really fantasy. It's more historical fiction. The the fantasy part of it, if you want to call it that, which I wouldn't, is just that you have someone from the modern age. And in this case, uh, like World War Two, between World War Two and the and the 70s, um, going back in time and living in uh, and around the time of um, the rising in in Scotland, and then later on the years leading up to the American Revolutionary War. Uh, so that that's really the only kind of like fantastical element of it. But gotcha. it's just really well. I love historical fiction anyway, mm-hmm. um, and this has been th- this is really fun. It's they're huge big books. So if you're into like you know fourteen hundred pagers, maybe not your your tempo. But um, and Gabaldon probably is given to writing very descriptive scenery like it might take her a few pages to describe you know the woods that this particular scene is and she's very given to just like kind of really flowery prose in that way but the characters are really well developed the the story is interesting um yeah i i I dig it so that's what i I think the one i'm reading now is called drums of autumn um set in kind of more or less in 1770 1771 that that sort of era in uh in the colony of North Carolina. So good stuff. Nice. You, anything, anything interesting on Johnny Ginner's bookshelf right now? So I've been doing this thing where I've been like reading, uh, like a fiction book and then a nonfiction book like yes. alternating back and forth. So I had read, I finally finished my Russia against Napoleon, uh, book, which is like, it's like 600 pages long or something like that. Yeah. And it's, it's re- it's a very, very dense overview of Napoleon's invasion of Russia, then Russia's subsequent invasion, along with like kind of a coalition army of France. And that was really interesting. Um, it, it got better the longer I read it because it's it starts, the guy who wrote it is actually like a direct descendant of some of the Russian generals that participated in these, in these wars. Oh, wow. And um, he basically is making the argument that Alexander, Alexander the Great was uh, much more involved in the logistical planning and, and you know, tactical and strategic uh, planning than maybe people give him credit for. Um, in addition to, you know, like a lot of people, when they think of Napoleon's invasion of Russia, they think war and peace and they burned everything down as they retreated. And it's just basically the scorched earth thing that was just kind of a result of happenstance and they lucked out and beating Napoleon. But really, and, and as uh, the author kind of goes into, I mean, it was something that was deliberately planned and they spent literally a couple years trying to execute this plan and figure out how they could do it without destroying their own society and then what really was interesting is how they created the coalition army to then invade france 
um, and keep that together because they basically had to incorporate some of France's allies to then invade them. And so there was a lot of interesting intrigue with that. So I liked it. It was a fun read. Um, it's dense. It took me a long time, but I'm, I'm glad I read it. And uh, after that, I read something called The Black Tongue Thief, which is kind of, a, I don't know, a, a quirky D&D-ish fantasy novel. Um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of thievery going on you know giant war crows and other things like that and it's it's fun it's not i wouldn't consider it a great book of uh fantasy but it's it's fun it's light um i would recommend for people who just kind of are dipping their toe into the whole fantasy genre and right now i did a 180 and decided that i was going to read uh voices from chernobyl which the hbo miniseries chernobyl is based on um that is harrowing and awful <laughs> and i think it's really important that people read this thing because voice chernobyl's it's an oral history of you know the events and um it starts off with uh, a woman who's a character in the miniseries who um her husband was a firefighter who's deteriorating from radiation poisoning and it's oh, wow. brutal it is just brutal it's really really hard to read so I don't expect the rest of the book to be much of uh, an uplifting kind of thing, but um, it's, it's good. It's, it's incredibly good scholarship, historical scholarship, and uh, the oral history is fantastic. The woman who wrote that uh, also wrote a book called War's Unwomanly Face, I think is what it's called. And it's about um, the experiences of Soviet women during World War II and um that's another one i want to read at some point because that's supposed to be really really good so i'll have to check that one out as well so good question matt thank you for sending that in i appreciate it i, I always like book chat book chat's yeah. great i guess solid recommendations too yeah all right well, well done this one's from nate who says hey guys huge fan from cedarville why do i always feel as an osu fan that people talk about uh concerning the buckeyes is never good enough or that what people okay i know we're at the top of literally everything recruiting rankings fan base qbs and receivers etc uh i feel like some folks are always worried and i don't get it I, can i say this real quick i did an interview with a uh, an oregon radio station last year before the oregon game and they <laughs> They were talking about Ohio State fandom, like, oh, you know, you guys are always saying we're the best and we can't be beaten. I'm like, you have no idea. I, I told him, <laughs> like, you you have got us completely misread yeah. because, and I think this is true. Ohio State fans are always on the precipice. Like, it, there's there is an ingrained belief, I think, in the fandom that everything's going to revert back to the '90s, where you have these great players and you win certain games by 100 points, and then you can never seal the deal. And so I think that paranoia is deeply ingrained in Ohio State football culture, fan football culture. And so, yeah, I, yeah, Nate, you're right. You've got the best quarterback and wide receivers and recruiting rankings and all this other stuff. But I just think that people have this belief that that doesn't matter until you win a national championship and, and frankly, win multiple national championships in a row and you know what? I'm okay with that mentality <laughs> because I think it keeps you on your toes and it keeps you striving for greatness. Um, but I'm also uh, a pessimist at heart. So maybe I just vibe with that. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, to me, you hit the nail on the head, like people, there's this inborn, inborn pessimism, or, or I don't know if it's 
fear or what i i read it the same way i i think it's funny because i do have that sense of what you what you were talking about with the oregon radio station that it was it was so funny they're like oh high state fans are so high on themselves I'm like what are you talking about yeah <laughs> I, th- I think it's one of those things like like inside the community versus like maybe when you're outside the community sure, maybe, yeah. maybe we give off that hey we we know we're the you know the best damn program in the land you know that's sort of maybe maybe i don't know maybe. but I, I mean certainly yeah you, my response to that would have been like what are you reading <laughs> yeah, <laughs> where, like what no, are you talking to because yeah. yeah most people i mean think about it like the the first how quickly into the first game of this season will there be people on our message board screaming for ryan day to be fired like it's you yeah. know like or or to bench bench the quarterback or but to, for real like, though it has had like year. almost 500 yards of pass against oregon and people were like didn't do enough yes that's right i mean we <laughs> talked about that for how many months last season right like, the number of people that were like oh he's terrible bench his ass <laughs> like what are we talking about yeah it's it's a real thing How's it's Kyle a real core and and so, you know i mean it probably goes back I mean, you're you hit the nail on the head i i think is it's got to go back to the 90s yeah I think uh, so too. because i i don't know how else you explain it when you've been consistently as good um consistently as good as as the program has i yeah we got five five stars in this class why didn't we get six that's bs come on come on ryan day what are you doing like it's just you know what i mean it's get with it, it. it's again it's because in part of the 90s i also think it's because you have something in alabama to compare yourself to where if you have all these great things and you're winning all of these games by x amount of points and blah 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 well then why aren't you winning seven championships in 15 years or whatever you yeah. know what i mean yeah. and so because that's the standard i don't think ohio state fans will be happy until they get that and you know what again i'm okay with that that's fine because if that's what's possible, then why can't Ohio State achieve that? Right. Um, I, I mean, again, is that realistic? No, because that's the most insane, you know, unprecedented thing ever for Nick Saban to be. A but, but that's the benchmark. That's but that's the benchmark. The benchmark. And, and I'm OK with fans expecting that because, again, it's it's possible. It's within the realm of possibility. So why can't Ohio State do it? Yeah. Um, all right. This is from Bryant. He says. What was your dream football position growing up? Now, if you actually had the talent to play football at a level of Ohio State and a starter at dream position, pick your NIL deal to match it. Oh, wow. It could be anything. Doesn't have to be local. Sky's the limit. Bonus points if you have some awesome pancake house for an offensive line kind of deal. Yeah, I mean, that. so I played center, uh, you know, like middle school freshman ball. I, I yeah. didn't play I didn't play varsity. I think I played like, uh, you know, middle middle school freshman JV. And then I was I was super involved in, in FFA and VOAG. And you know, like I was on the state general livestock judging team and did state public speaking contests and things. And so like I was obscenely practical about time management. And, mm-hmm. it, and what I said to myself, like the reason I stopped playing varsity ball um because i wasn't terrible actually as an offensive lineman i was i was starting center every year played yeah, i mean um, i can see that it, well i used to joke that the, they let me be center uh because i was smart enough to count to two like nah. that was the, and uh yeah well you know um the the thing um about that was to the nil deal i mean it would absolutely be you know international house of pancakes right like that's the perfect that's course, the perfect yeah. uh nil deal for an offensive lineman but but uh, the part of the reason i stopped playing was because i looked and said i don't i don't think i'm good enough to play as a starting center at ohio state you know oh boy newsflash right like how very how very uh forward thinking of me and so my thought process was 
okay, if I'm not going to play at the next level, then I need to focus on the things I am going to do at the next level, which, mm-hmm. you know, were like you know, public speaking and some of the other things that I did. And, sure. and obviously I've worked in agriculture my entire uh, adult life. So I guess, you know, sticking with that instead of football was, was sensible. Although I will say one of the few regrets I have about my youth is that I stopped playing football because I love the game so much that, you know, I'm like, okay, why didn't I play those last couple of years? I should have right. just, just for the, you know, just because I wasn't terrible and it was fun and and so on Uh position. I wanted to play. That was the other part of the question. So that was the position I did play. I wanted very badly to be a defensive lineman that I thought the defensive line had so much more fun than the offensive line, you know, yeah, offensive see ball, line, get ball, right? Like what, see ball, I mean, get ball. I mean, you're just knocking the piss out of guys, right? Like right. you just, you just want to lay a guy flat and you know, offensive line, you're working out worried about pass blocking. You're the, you're this, you're pulling, you know, there's just a lot more where your defensive line is just knock the shit out of somebody and go. Uh, and so what happened was I may have told this story before, but I'll tell it again. Anyway, coach Hart was the defensive line coach. And we like went bass fishing with coach Hart because dad had access to the stone quarry. It just had some fantastic fishing. And I was mm-hmm. all like, yeah, Hey, let's, let's take coach fishing because then maybe I'll, you know, be in like Flynn here with the defensive line it wasn't like wasn't like that at all coach Hart, of course is going to put the best guys on the field regardless of whether they were fishing buddies or not and i loved coach Hart. i thought he was fantastic one of my favorite coaches but we're doing defensive line drills one day you know we're gonna try a little iron man action here and he screams at me after the drill he's like damn it vance you're too nice to be a defensive lineman i'm like (laughs) thanks coach i guess (laughs) you're just too good it was, I was too nice, nice, you know, you gotta, you gotta be a nasty SOB to be a defensive lineman, right. right. You know, and I was apparently too nice to be a defensive lineman and that gotcha. was the end of my defensive line career, but I wanted very badly to be a defensive lineman. So maybe that's why I like Cam Hayward so much in the NFL because he's great. I'm, I mean, I'm, I get I'm, it. I'm living vicariously through Cam Hayward. <laughs> there you go. I would say, you know, I never played football. Um, I played soccer and I swam um and some baseball and you were quite good at the swimming by the way don't sell yourself short you were, i really was not but you were, you were you're I, we've talked about this before and you were better than you make out to be like i was a little well. bit better but yeah. here's the thing i i was told this is true i was told that as a soccer player my because i was and i've said this i was i i was a bad player on a very good team if i was on a bad team i would have been a fine like an okay player yeah but anyway so our coach brought in like uh, kind of like a specialist to help train us um, during the, you know, the preseason at one point. And he was doing certain like shuttle drills and testing and whatnot, just to see, you know, what we were good at and all that other stuff. And I was like annihilating dudes on some of the agility stuff. And <laughs> people were like, what the hell is wrong? Like, and so the dude said, you have the fastest feet I've ever seen in my like entire career. And I'm like, huh? Like that's not super helpful in soccer because I just trip over myself when I have a ball <laughs> at them. But maybe if I were carrying a ball, I could, I could be a little shifty. And so I always thought like, if I wasn't, you know, if I had decided to to try a different path, maybe I could be a running back. That would be interesting. Now I'm kind of glad that I can just speculate about that instead of actually having to get hit. So in this fantasy world that Brian has allowed us to create, I think I would be, I would try to be a running back. I think that would be fun. I think it could be a shifty guy, maybe not a Barry Sanders type dude, but I, I think I could, I think I could make a bunch of guys miss. Um, and because of that, if I'm thinking about an NIL deal, I, you know, 
I understand that I get bonus points for like trying to combine it, but really, you know, I'm a Southwestern Ohio guy. It's got to be Skyline or Bust, yeah, right? Like yeah. it really does. And I want to be the dude, and I want to be the guy that puts Skyline, like makes Skyline cool. Like all these other stupid jokes about how it gives you diarrhea, blah blah. It's just crap, blah blah blah. I want to be, I will be the Skyline guy and the what the gliers get a guy like that's it i want i want to be the southwestern ohio food dude and uh then people can't make dumb jokes about it anymore how about that that's I what it. i would want I and it. i know i don't i don't get any bonus points for that maybe they could say like i'm, I'm tip tap dancing my way to the bathroom or something but i mean if i um, can't uh if i can't get ihop as an offensive lineman then i guess you know bring me frisch's big boy because oh you know, my god that's your, a, your offensive that, lineman's yeah big boy player, holy right? crap dude big boy that's right there writes itself yeah that's yeah. perfect. That's good. Oh copy. my God. I love it. That's, great questions. That is a great question. All right. Last one here. This is from our good friend, Alvin. What outer space planet slash star slash satellite would you want to visit and why? Uh, you know, that's a, I don't know. I, I'm, Hmm. You know, I read the John Carter of Mars series, uh, years ago. So I guess, maybe i want to go to bar zoom and check out uh mark if you didn't read sick. edward r burroughs i don't know did you ever read john carter or mars no yeah no. so the guy so i've edward seen r. 15 minutes of the bad movie on like fx See, I, people hate on that movie i i actually enjoyed the movie i don't uh, think it's a I love it i do think it's a bad movie but i don't think it's like the worst movie ever made or anything it, i i think it was i i think it was definitely uh overly uh hated on it, it's not it's not like the worst abomination i've ever seen let me put it that way the problem with the movie was that number one the title was terrible it's yeah. just called john carter and so i had not read the books at the time the movie came out the movie actually got me to read the books mm -hmm. so so for people who aren't familiar so the, the 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 idea john carter of mars uh, was a character created by um, Edward Rice Burroughs, who was also the writer of Tarzan. So yeah. the same same guy. So similar similar kind of serialized books from you know a hundred years ago. Um, uh, I'm trying to think how many books were in the series, but there were a lot of them. Um, and and so anyway, uh, I don't know what I call him, Edgar Rice Burroughs. And so good good books, but the movie, you know, is about this guy. He's from Earth, but he ends up going to mars um i don't remember exactly the mechanism of how we got to mars we got to mars and finds out that hey it's not this uninhabited red planet there's a whole civilization here and kind of like superman coming from krypton to earth and all of a sudden he has all these superpowers well, john carter finds out that because of mars's different gravitational field he's kind of like superman on mars and mm. just has all these great adventures um you know meets this princess Dejah thoris and has uh you know like falls in love and it's a great you know, great series of books the movie was really i i thought really very entertaining and well done kind of one of those big like visual action movies that you should see in imax or something because they they did a nice job with the cinematography there uh and the scenery and, and all that sort of thing but the problem was number one the movie john carter if you didn't read the books you don't know who john carter was uh, the trailers, the promotional materials, nothing gave you any clue what the book was about or what the movie was about. So you went in like not knowing what it's about. And so it just, it, it was, I think expectations and reality were all over the place. Um, and people just didn't know what it was. They didn't know what it was. And consequently, you know, then they hated it. 
right yeah no i i can see that it, it's it's definitely one of those things where maybe bad marketing or bad you know i don't know just terrible marketing terrible yeah. absolutely terrible marketing where people just didn't really understand what they were getting themselves into and i think that makes sense um you know what i would want to go i know the kepler system right which is uh out there in space uh, it's like a star i think uh maybe not i it, it's like there's a there's a star i think called kepler or maybe it's just the kepler system but there's a lot of like potentially uh habitable ha- how do you pronounce that <laughs> habitable habitable there we habitable? go habitable yeah, there's that there's a lot of potentially habitable planets in the kepler system i would want to check one of those out i want to go all the way out there hundreds of light years away and see what's up i, I think that would be cool to like you know see a, a a planet roughly the same size and density as earth but like on the other side of the you know the galaxy that'd be pretty kick-ass so that's that's what i would say i would say go to one of those potential uh you know earth-like planets and and see what they're what they're up to that would be interesting to me i think so excellent questions this week i appreciate it and uh, keep sending those in we love to answer them yeah fantastic questions well done everybody and that's going to do it for this week's episode sending those questions keeping in mind that the season will be here before we know it we're i mean we're approaching uh rapidly like six weeks out type territory i, yeah. I think here you know which is which is nice, kind of mind-blowing. Let's get through those last few weeks together, friends. And until then, I'm Andy. I'm Johnny. You've been listening to the 11 Dubcast.